0: Let's pray together. O Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our thoughts and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire for you. Unless you speak, nothing of significance will be spoken. Amen. Back in third grade, I distinctly remember the day a classmate of mine leaned over to me and whispered across the desk, They took gullible out of the dictionary. I was shocked to think that a whole word had been taken out of the dictionary. And what did gullible even mean? I sat at my desk, flummoxed, until we had a break. Then I rushed to the class dictionary to find the word, only to be greeted by jeering laughter from my classmates. I learned the hard way the meaning of the word gullible. Sometimes, it's hard to know what to believe. Years later, I faced a decision point. Should I join the ministry or not? Should I raise my hand and say that I wanted to change careers and become a pastor? It was hard to know exactly what to do. I felt in my soul that calling, but there was much to consider. My wife's career the house we owned on Highland Terrace, daycare for our son, and the hit our income would take. There were many unknowns. In the end, it's clear what decision I made, but at the time, there was doubt and questioning. Sometimes, it's hard to know what to believe. Such is the case for the churches in the region of Galatia, Paul writes to them to help them understand what they are to believe because they're saying to themselves that sometimes it's hard to know what to believe. Let's hear our scripture for this morning. It comes from Galatians chapter 5. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For you are called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh, For what the flesh desires is opposed to the spirit and what the spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I am warning you as I warned you before, Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit." This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Eight simple steps toward church revitalization. The number one rule of church revitalization. Six proven ideas for an increase to church growth. 25 actionable strategies for rapid church growth. Those are headlines from a simple Google search of Grow Your Church. Were we to read them, they would contain some of the same ideas, but quite often we would find competing ideas. For example, some say go all in on holidays and don't worry about the non-holiday Sundays. Others say focus on doing your best every Sunday. Some say traditional worship is dead Others say contemporary worship turns off younger generations. Some say the Lord's Prayer and creeds detract from growth. Others say we must go back to our roots. Were you to peruse the books in my office, there would be several with competing ideas about how to be the church in the 21st century in the United States. Some argue we must change what we believe and proclaim. Others say we must stick to our guns, holding fast to the truth we have known. In a memorable case, one author says that the Lord's Prayer is okay, but we need to change and remove some of the lines. He advocates that we begin our father and mother, and then that we should skip who art in heaven. Now, let us be mindful that his encouragement is to change the very words of Jesus Christ. It's laughable, and yet it is still one of many strategies for being the church today. Books on this topic are big sellers. There are bloggers and podcasts making tons of money off telling churches how to be the church today. With all those competing voices and ideas, sometimes... It's hard to know what to believe. The churches in Galatia find themselves struggling with what to believe. Paul had brought them the gospel initially, and all across the Anatolian Peninsula as a result, the area we call Turkey that they call Galatia, people are being converted from paganism rapidly. They're forming churches faster than they can really get settled And as they do so, they have questions. They're Gentiles, they're not Jews, so they're confused about how much of the law, the Torah, they're supposed to keep. Are they supposed to follow all of it or some of it? Are they supposed to be circumcised? Are they now under the constrictions of the law, or are they no longer bound by it and its symbols? Different teachers passing through Galatia have different answers. Many say, yes, you must keep Torah in order to be a Christian. Some of them say you must be circumcised. And then there are those with different Gospels. Some who argue that Jesus Christ wasn't really divine, he was just a really superhuman. And others who argue he was so divine, he was basically some sort of divine ghost. There are many teachings floating around Galatia, and the people there, new Christians, are trying to figure out how to do this church thing. And they're struggling under a weight of too many options. For them, it's hard to know what to believe. Paul, elsewhere in the Roman Empire at this time, receives news of what's happening in Galatia. Most of the churches have chosen to believe differently than Paul taught, specifically embracing the keeping of the Torah and circumcision. As he receives these messages, Paul gets angry. I don't know if you've noticed, but Paul's kind of an emotional guy. He doesn't shy away from telling you about that in his letters. And we see this in the way that he opens Galatians. All of Paul's letters have a formula, a greeting, Hey, how you doing? A thanksgiving, yay you, you're doing great. Teachings of what he needs to teach them about and a benediction. Every letter, except Galatians. He says, hey, how you doing? And then in verse one, chapter six, or verse, chapter one, verse six, he goes straight to his point, skipping the yay, you're doing great. Skips it completely and says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Paul is not happy. And so he spends this letter telling them what to believe, sometimes forcefully, sometimes gracefully, always pointing to Jesus Christ. In the process, Paul makes his best case for the freedom of Christ, a well-articulated defense Of his theological conviction that we are set free in Jesus Christ to go and do what the Holy Spirit is calling us to do. While it would be long, if Galatians was a blog post today, it would be written in a way of offering understanding for how to be the church. And what would we title this letter if it was a blog post? Ten Simple Steps Toward Freedom in Christ. Christ. Twelve Different Means to Grow Your Church. Eight Reasons Why Those Haters Are Wrong. Seven Ways to Experience Freedom in Christ. Those titles, like so many blog posts and books, are tempting because we want things in soundbites. Easy to digest pieces of information. That's the seductive power of these blog posts and books that offer tips and tricks for how to be the church. The posts aren't long, the books are short, and they come prepackaged in ways that make it easy to envision following them at your church, inferring that if you follow their seven or twelve or ten steps, all will be well at your church and you'll see results in growth. They easily turn into GIFs and graphics that can be posted to Facebook and Twitter, moving their points into even easier to digest sound bites. The problem is, and Paul says this in Galatians, the Holy Spirit cannot be reduced to a checklist. The Holy Spirit cannot be made into an easy-to-digest list or a soundbite or a list of tips and tricks. And that's just the point Paul wants to make to the churches in Galatia. It's not about which teacher to follow, what set of rules to follow, or whether or not you need to keep up with Torah. It's about being led by the Holy Spirit to be the church God has designed you to be. In freedom... Christ came to die and rise again for us. And in giving us the Holy Spirit, Christ passed that freedom on to us. Paul's call to the churches in Galatia and Paul's call to us today is to be led by the Spirit, seeking to follow where the Spirit leads, trusting that God will provide what we need to be the church God has designed us to be. It's another way of saying what we said last week, that we are to practice simplicity by focusing on the mission, being authentic, and trusting God with the rest. If Galatians were a blog post today, we might title it this way, forget all those checklists, just listen to the Holy Spirit. Paul makes a clear point. Follow the law, the Torah, if you want, but it's no longer necessary. Jesus Christ has set you free from having to follow the law, from having to keep up with those checklists and tasks in order to be justified in faith. The Spirit provides the way forward, the vision, the change in our lives, so that we can be followers of Jesus Christ, true disciples who lead others to life. That's why Paul, quoting Jesus, can say, For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We are set free. For freedom, Christ set us free, the scripture begins, and then continues, for you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. We are free from the law, from checklists, from having to wonder what to believe. We are free to simply be the church we are, following where the Spirit leads. The churches in Galatia aren't required to keep up with those lists, to follow the 5,324 simple steps of Leviticus to living a holy life. The Spirit provides that. The Spirit creates a changed heart, a renewed soul. The Spirit intercedes with God on our behalf and is the presence of the living God within each of us. Paul says in the closing verse of our scripture this morning, if we are led by the Spirit... Let us also be guided by the Spirit. Then we, as individuals and as a church, will naturally exude love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, generosity, and self-control. Those fruits are not a checklist. They're the consequence of living a Spirit-led life. As he continues his argument past this chapter, Paul makes clear Churches are not to follow a checklist or rules laid out by this teacher or that apostle. Churches are to be spirit-led, following where the spirit leads, trusting that they already have what they need to be the church God has designed them to be. Churches, after all, are like individuals. We are all gifted in different ways to offer those particular gifts to the world. God designed each of us in just that way, and God designed each church to be that way. The checklists found in these books and blog posts telling churches how to be and what to do want all churches to be identical. But churches are not McDonald's franchises. We are farm-to-table restaurants, found only locally and unique to our particular surroundings. God has gifted Mulberry in traditional worship, in being a big tent, in community service, and in ways I am still discovering. The call on our lives, the call issued by Paul through Galatians, freedom in the Holy Spirit, means living into those gifts, unworried what the church down the street is doing or what that new popular book on how to be the church says. In fact, our own history bears this out. At moments where this church was concerned because a church we planted was faring better than we were at the time, such as in the 1870s, the 1890s, and the 1910s, we only furthered our struggle by trying to be like Vineville or Cross Keys or First Street Methodist Church. We found our rudder again as a church by simply being ourselves, being the church God has designed us to be. For just like individuals, when we are who God has made us to be, we shine forth the Spirit into the world, having a transformative effect. Churches that are simply who God called them to be naturally exude the fruits of the Spirit. They put aside the works of the flesh, They grow each other in their communities in love, in justice, and in care and concern for others. When we are simply who God made us to be, we will, in short, naturally grow the kingdom. So what does this mean for us today? It means we ask, through our prayers and our conversations together, through our leadership meetings and our service projects, how is God calling us now? How is the Spirit leading us? Or as I am fond of saying, quoting Love at Weems, what is our next faithful step? It means we also assess ourselves to ask how well we as a church are living out the fruits of the Spirit. Where is their love and peace growing through us? And where are we causing quarrels and dissension? That kind of honest assessment gets to the soul of the church, allowing for confession and helping us understand how the Spirit is leading us. It means we be ourselves, not allowing books and blog posts and what the church down the road is doing to worry us, thinking that maybe we're somehow doing the wrong thing. It also means we focus on growing our ministry and our impact to the community, unworried about numbers. Church growth is ultimately the work of the Holy Spirit. Our work is to further the kingdom of God through engaging in ministry. God takes care of the rest. When that is our focus, God will take care of the rest. This is another way of saying what we said last week. Practicing simplicity means focusing on the mission, being authentic in doing so, and trusting god with the rest paul says to focus on the mission love each other and grow the kingdom paul says to be authentic be the church the spirit is leading you to be and paul says to trust god with the rest including that we will hear and understand the spirit in god's own timing paul's argument is a radical departure from what other teachers were sharing around galatia and we must admit, Paul's argument today is still radical. It's not easy. It's not easy like so many tips and tricks or tasks. It's not easily digested into sound bites. It requires prayer, discernment, patience. It requires practicing love, joy, and peace. But isn't that freeing? to no longer feel tossed and turned, wondering if we should be doing what this church over there is doing or what that church over there is doing. Isn't it freeing, not wondering if we're missing the point or missing the people or defective somehow? If we are spirit-led, we have all we need as a church to be the church God has designed us to be. That is practicing simplicity. So, Let us be spirit-led. To be spirit-led, I invite you to join me in praying for this church. Let us turn the call of last week into a prayer we utter daily. God, help us to focus on the mission. Be authentic to who you've made Mulberry to be and trust you with the rest. And then let us practice the golden rule, loving our neighbors as ourselves, our neighbors within our church walls, our neighbors who use our church walls for shelter, and our neighbors who live and move and have their being downtown. Praying and practicing the golden rule are not two simple steps toward church growth or vitality. They are the basics of the mission, and we are a church on mission. What are we to believe? The Spirit is leading us, and we are free in Christ to follow. So let us pray daily for this church, And let us practice the golden rule. Let us be ourselves, living out the gifts God has given to Mulberry Street United Methodist Church. We already have everything we need to be the church God has designed us to be. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.